eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now let's get to Yamamoto. Yamamoto was the guy that I think everybody had in their off-season plans. Every single person, whether it was me or Pete or any of our dignitaries or any of the emails that we read, everyone wants Yamamoto, which I still find funny because none of us have seen him pitch. Other than highlights, we we really haven't seen him pitch. So here are the rumors we have now. We've got John Heyman saying, quote, I've heard he prefers the West Coast. (laughs) We have Andy Martino saying, Kodai Senga really wants him to come here, which is not a bad thing. And we've talked about that Japanese respect factor and Kodai Senga being a star on the New York Mets. And he is, he's their ace until proven otherwise. Him saying, I welcome Yamamoto is a good thing. What's really good about this process is that once he gets posted, there's a clock. You know, unlike everybody else who's not coming over from Japan in free agency and there's no posting system, a guy could sign next week. A guy could sign in February. There's, Really no pressure for a guy to sign, and it's really up to the agent and the player themselves for how long they want to take the process. And we saw Aaron Judge make a relatively quick decision a year ago. We saw Bryce Harper and Manny Machado take their free agency close to February when they were free agents. But when a guy is posted, there's 45 days. So for 45 days, he will get to negotiate with every team that's interested in him, and then ultimately has to make that decision. And then obviously there's a tax involved where a lot of that money or some of that money will go over to his Japanese baseball team. Not our problem. It doesn't go against the luxury tax. And so if you're Steve Cohen, who cares? My confidence level right now is probably somewhere in the middle because I think Cohen is willing to spend the most. And it does seem like the Mets are hot to trot for him, that the Mets absolutely look at him as a must-have in free agency. They get themselves an ace potential guy to go along with Kodai Senga. And everything you do after that, you kind of build around it. You get two guys at the top of your rotation that you feel damn good about, and then you fill in with reliable arms around it. Jose Quintana already being there. We mentioned a guy like Cal Quantrill who just got DFA'd by Cleveland. That's a possibility. I think it makes the offseason, in terms of chasing starting pitching, just a lot easier. Because you already feel like you got your two guys at the top. So I do think the Mets are going to bid big. But it really feels like there are so many teams involved in this. 
that the Yankees are going to bid big, that the Dodgers are going to bid big, that the Giants, who have missed out on so many free agents, are going to bid big. And so that's where my confidence is kind of lukewarm because when you get so many teams involved, and maybe he does have a preference for the West Coast, who the hell knows? I can't sit here as much as we love Steve's beautiful money and just assume we're going to get it. So I'm, I'll tell you, going into this post thing and into this free agency, and it is the guy we all want. We're all on the same page on this. It's it's a rare thing when every Met fan agrees on something. I haven't heard one person say, I don't want Yamamoto. Maybe that person exists, but there aren't many. I'm very in the middle in terms of my confidence. Where's your confidence on this, Pete? My confidence after hearing Sanga, I'm I'm like 75% positive that he's going to come be a Met because the, the money, no one's going to beat us. Um, and if Senga is pushing for it, and if they're bodies, then maybe he can convince them because that's what it's going to take. Like, I mean, going to the pinstripes, like go, like that, that's what I've heard. Like, oh, he prefers to go to the Yankees. Well, why does he prefer to go to the Yankees? Is it because of the history? Is it because the Mets don't have history? That's a possibility. But if it's like, hey, dude, come to the Mets. It's gonna be fun. The the it's a better situation than than I ever thought it was. Like, if you if you can bolster up some kind of BS, I, I think it'll work. I think it'll work. And I, I think that that whole Japanese respect thing will go out the window. Well, it, I like how you say we got to bolster up some BS. That's how we get him to the Mets. Bolster it up. Only show him highlights of 1986. Make believe that the <laughs> 90s and the early 2000s, like none of it actually happened. All right. It's only 1986. I. What's always so difficult about predicting free agency is we can predict teams making big offers we can predict hey that team's got a lot of money and they need this so they're going to make a big offer the one thing we cannot predict is what someone actually wants like what does he want you know if he grew up as a yankee fan in japan that's tough to compete with if that's the case if he grew up as a dodger fan in japan that's tough to compete with because he could have been a dodger fan for all we know um they have certainly had a lot of legendary japanese but really one hideo nomo who I think burst onto the scene and was almost the the first of this era of Japanese pitchers and Japanese baseball players that have come over. So it comes down to what the man wants, and that's just so tough to predict. I don't think the Cashman kerfuffle with Giancarlo Stanton's agent, who happens to represent Yamamoto, I don't really think that's going to be a thing. Because ultimately, the agent is working for the player, and the agent is going to present the player with the best offers. And if the New York Yankees have the best offer and Yamamoto wants to be a New York Yankee, he's going to go there. It is important, though, no matter where he ends up, this will bother us. Let's just put this out on the table. If the Mets don't have the highest offer and the Yankees do, that'll be a problem. If he takes a little bit less money, to sign with the New York Yankees. You know what you got to do? You just got to. It sucks, man, but they're the Yankees. We're not the Yankees. And I know they haven't been to a World Series since 09, but they also do have a history. And that history is tough to compete with. But if the Mets aren't the highest bidder, that could be our first uh, first big fight with our owner, Steve Cohen. Uh, this is a problem I'm having here, first of all. What's your problem? A, I, I, I have a problem with the fact is that the the Yankees have a history and and I, oh, I well they do I they, I'm going to tell you they don't no but but that is that is a problem how are you supposed to and this is why I said you had to you bolster some BS because 
in three years, let's be serious, Cohen didn't fix the outlook of the Mets. He really didn't. 2022 was great, but they didn't win anything, and it it, it went sour real quick. Two out of the three years under his reign, it's still a shit show. So, so we ha- there has to be a way to change the the Mets history quicker to really invite these guys and be like, this is what we're doing and we're creating yeah, it. So but that- I, I, I got to defend the Mets for a second. I think you're looking at it in a negative light towards the Mets. I don't think it is. I think it's more of a positive light to the Yankees. They're a historical franchise. This guy may have grown up with uh, with uh, posters of Hideki Matsui on his wall or Masahiro Tanaka. I don't think it's that the Mets haven't won enough over the last three years. The Mets could have won 105 games last year and got knocked out in the NLCS. There still may have been, if there is one, a Yankee advantage because of the history that they have, especially with bringing over and having successful Japanese players. So don't take it as some kind of slight on the Mets when it's more they're the Yankees. Yeah, but it's a recency bias too because it's like if you were able to be successful the past three years – you could easily sell him, hey, by the way, we're building this juggernaut. We're going to be the next version of the, the Yankees. That's going to be the Mets. You can't say that. You can't. You just can't say that now you, because we haven't built anything consistent, at least. Are you scared of the Dodgers, by the way? Are you going to be pissed off if he ends up with the Dodgers? I, I'm going to be pissed off if he, if he goes anywhere else but the Mets. Let's be serious. I mean, he can go, he can go to the freaking Pittsburgh Pirates. I'm going to kick my, my you know I'm going to kick myself. It's going to be terrible. the real question: If he does sign elsewhere, the field as it's called, who's the second guy you go after? Because all of the other starting pitchers that I think we're more enamored by are all trade market guys because I don't think either one of us are pumped about Blake Snell, who won another Cy Young or pumped about Aaron Nola. And I'm not even convinced the Mets are going to be in that market. I think it sort of pivots towards Shane Bieber, Tyler Glass now, Dylan Cease, Corbin Burns. And what sucks about that is you're talking about, A, a lot of guys that you don't have a lot of team control over. Dylan Cease you do. But Tyler Glass now is a free agent at the end of the year. Shane Bieber is a free agent at the end of the season. Corbin Burns is a free agent at the end of the season. So A, you have to lock that guy up. And then B, you're probably going to have to give up a lot in prospects. That's part of why I, I prefer Yamamoto as much as I do. It doesn't cost you anything other than money. It doesn't cost you a draft pick. It doesn't cost you prospects. It's just simply signing the guy. But who would be your pivot point if we miss out on Yamamoto? All right, so if you miss Yamamoto and we're not getting Shohei, even though Shohei is not going to pitch in 2024, then I guess you have to go Nola. I don't want Blake Snell. I think Nola's the guy because again, consistency. I'm not <sighs> saying that he's. I'm not saying he's a top end of the rotation. You have Kodai saying with that. You put him as a number two, three starter. I mean, that's what he basically is. What? Listen, last year, what was the biggest thing we missed? Consistency. Yes. Yes. He. No. He absolutely has that. I have a tough time believing. As much as the Mets may be willing to spend on certain players, and they are that they're going to be willing to go to $200 million for Aaron Nola. I just have a tough time believing that's going and, to happen. And, and I, I get that, but my thing is this, is if you're not going to get Yamamoto and you're not going to get Shohei Otani and then you don't get Nola, then what are we really doing? We're like settling to like, all right, well, we didn't get those guys, so let's go to the next level, the next yes. tier. The, yeah. the next tier is terrible. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Yeah, but I think what you would then try to do is go short-term big money and just almost kick the can down the road until free agency next year when Bieber and Burns and Glass now are free agents. I'm going to... I'm gonna- put my head through a wall are you kidding yeah, me but, but, but think we just about did it. that's what they we did just with did. scherzer and verlander scherzer and verlander were short-term big money deals and i remember when they signed those guys and a year ago at this time and i forget which podcast it was on but someone was asking hey what's our long-term plan and i said well our long-term plan is obvious they're going to continue to reload on starting pitching they have a core of offensive players obviously they need to add some to it and they need some of their prospects to develop a little bit more, but it's really about going out and just signing, starting pitching and buying pitching until you could develop it on your own like that. That's what they're going to do. So if they don't want to sign, if they can't sign Yamamoto and they're not in love with Sonny Gray and Aaron Nola and Blake Snell and Marcus Stroman and Eduardo Rodriguez, then I hate to say it, but the answer is going to be okay. Big money, short-term deals, and reload next year when guys are free agents. It's not like that can't be successful. I'm not saying I'd be pumped up about it. I'm not saying I'd love it. But hypothetically, if they missed out on Yamamoto and they're like, you know what? Here's how we're going to build a rotation. We're going to go short-term, big money deals for Luis Severino, Jack Flaherty, and uh, Kyle Gibson. Oh, you're killing me. But, but hold on a sec. I'm, not, you're, you're killing. <laughs> I'm, I'm killing you. I'm just telling you what. I don't think they're spending $200 million on Aaron Nolan, nor do I want to give him a seven-year contract you and be just, in bed with him forever. You just told me I'm going to bring in two pitchers who could be really good, but they're always hurt, and then we're going to get one guy who pitches to a five-year rate, but at least he gives us innings. Yes. I mean, we're, we're expecting to fail. Do you want? Are we looking for seventy wins? Because oh we're no, going. you know what that would be? That would be your typical if, <laughs> if, if, and then we're really good season. That's what it would be. <laughs> yeah, but the alternative that. is what to give a stupid contract to Aaron Nola? No, I'm not saying give a stupid contract to Aaron Nola, but there's got to be some level of of sustainability here. Like we can't just keep on going. Like you're not going to win with that group unless you're going to tell me that Severino and and Flaherty are going to pitch decent when they do pitch and when they go down we're gonna go then trade for more guys to bring it like the rangers just did yeah oh no no that's what i was gonna say that you're basically banking on severino and flaherty being the top guy that they used to be and if you're in a race and they're just average but you're in a race 
then you fortify it and go for it by trading for Bieber, Burns, or any other pitcher that's about to be a free agent. Look, the Texas Rangers, it's incredible what they pulled off. They won the World Series because they had balls, because they went out. And it's not even the Scherzer trade. It was really the Jordan Montgomery trade. It was going out and adding him. He's an interesting guy, too. Jordan Montgomery, I think I'm more... The more I've thought about it with these free agents, if they did miss out on Yamamoto and you're looking for that potential top-end guy, I don't love Nola. I don't love Snell. I've made that very clear here in this pod and the past pod. I think I'd be more likely to give the big money to Jordan Montgomery. I think I would. Also because it's always been a stereotype, but it's true. Lefties develop later, and then when they develop, they can be damn good for a while. Maybe Jordan Montgomery has just fully developed. Like he's been really good now for over a year. And he's also pitched in New York before, which isn't a bad thing. You're getting so lazy. We got Carlos Mendoza. You want to bring Jordan Montgomery. You want to bring Luis Severino. You said Harrison Bader. I mean, (laughs) are we trading for Giancarlo Stanton too? (laughs) They just happen to fit. I mean, I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I get it. There's a lot of former Yankees, a lot of former Yankees. By the way, look at it this way, Pete. Forget Bader. Bader is what he is. He's a fourth outfielder. Like Kevin Kiermaier, Harrison Bader, glove first guys, tweedledee, tweedledum. So put him aside, okay? Tim LaCastro last year too, by the way. I'm a guy, former Yankee. I always loved him. I must have a thing for former Yankees. I don't know. Severino and Montgomery. Severino I've always been a fan of in terms of I still think he's got that in him. I still think he has that dominance in him. So even last year before he had this terrible season he just had and got to free agency. I've always believed he has it in him. Montgomery, I'm not even thinking of as a Yankee. I have to be honest with you. I think of him as a Cardinal and a Ranger because that's where he was good. Like, I only mention, oh, yeah, he pitched in New York because it's nice that he has that experience. But when you think of Jordan Montgomery, I don't even think of him as a Yankee. I think of him as a guy that was awesome in the postseason for Texas and a guy that also pitched very well down the stretch last year for St. Louis. Those just happen to be the guys I like. I don't like all former Yankees, that's for damn sure. But those guys I do. We will focus heavily on third base, on a Rico we'll put up over the weekend. But we will give you a very special Rico, late Friday night, early Saturday morning, reacting to the non-tender deadline. Reacting to the big Met decisions that they have to make about their roster. Specifically, a guy like Daniel Vogelback and Trevor Gott and Drew Smith. And who's here and who's gone. But then the other part of that non-tender deadline is not just who the Mets kept and who the Mets got rid of, but who's entered free agency. What new players are we now intrigued by because they were non-tendered from their team? Again, we mentioned this guy on the pod earlier, but Cody Bellinger, non-tendered. And he turned out to have a tremendous season last year for the Chicago Cubs. Do you have anybody specifically that you think may be non-tendered? That would be a big shocker. I don't think there's ever going to be a big shocker. I just think there's going to be a lot of depth starting pitchers that we're going to look at or relievers that we're going to say not too bad or maybe a fourth outfielder that we're going to look at. So I don't know if anybody is going to shock us necessarily. But it just the, adds the to the pool of players. The Be- Bellinger was pretty shocking. Yeah, but Bellinger sucked. <laughs> <laughs> he did. I remember we were both okay bringing him in on a one-year deal. Because like I said, I'm good with anybody on a one-year deal. That's why when we talk about those starting pitchers, like, yeah, it's a one-year contract. You got nothing to lose. You got everything to gain, and you have absolutely nothing to lose. 
One other thing I want my fellow Met fan to keep in mind, and we will do this over the next month, okay? So we're going to roll this out slowly before we do it, but it's the second annual Rico Bronya rewatch, where we find a classic Met game and we rewatch it. We rewatch it on our own time, and then we have a special podcast in which we break that game down. I do have one strong opinion about this. A year ago, if you missed it, you can go back in the archives from one year ago and take a listen. We rewatched Game 7 of the 1986 World Series, a forgotten classic game in Met history, the last time the Mets won a championship. I do believe that coming off a horrible season, we got to go the other way this time. Instead of watching a great moment in Mets history, we have to watch a really bad moment in Mets history. And there's a few that jump out at me. For those that remember it, because it was 2006, we could rewatch Game 7 against the Cardinals. That is certainly on the table. For those that are 40 and younger, maybe we rewatch a game that we've been told about, that we have been lectured as one of the worst losses in the history of the franchise. It is simply called the Mike Sosha game. Mets-Dodgers, 1988. I think that's a really good option. If you want to go back further, how about when we lost Game 7 of the World Series back in 1973? So that's just me. I I do think after a bad, bad season, we got to go negative. We got to go depressing. So let's find a game in Met history, a horrible loss, and rewatch it. Those are my three nominees. There are more. If you have more, if there are other painful losses you think we should rewatch, I'm damn well open to it. The Rico B at gmail.com. I have I have a couple suggestions too, just off the top of my head. 07 game 162. Oh, 08 162. With the, any of those twos can be up there for play as well. They're, They're pretty certainly up there. You want to go game one of the 2000 World Series, the Jose Vizcaino Timo Perez game? <laughs> you want to go game five of the 2000 World Series? You want to go game six of the 99 NLCS, the Benitez, Franco, blow it, Kenny Rogers game. A lot of options. So we'll take your, but we should do a loss. I mean, in fairness, we did a win last year. We should do a loss this year. And again, how it works is we find a game that's readily available on YouTube. We announce this is the game we're going to rewatch. Give everybody time, maybe a month. And then we do a special podcast ripping, reacting, emotionally talking about that said game. So that's on the docket. Very busy week of Rico, bro, and a lot of pods. If you missed it, we had an instant reaction to Carlos Mendoza's press conference. Coming up Friday into Saturday, we will react to the non-tender deadline. And then over the weekend, we will preview and go through all the different options the Mets have, specifically at a position that's been a major issue since David Wright retired and got hurt, and that's third base. We appreciate you listening and downloading Rico Bronya. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.